This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Do you like sci-fi, fantasy, action, adventure, and comic books? Then you've come to the right place for your weekly dose of anything and everything geek. So strap in and let's get this show on the road. Welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast. Welcome back, sci-fi fans, to another episode of the Science Fictionary Podcast from thesciencefictionary.com. I'm Andrew. I'm here tonight with Marisha. Hello. And David. Hey, everyone. And tonight marks our 50th episode of this show. Which yeah. It doesn't seem like we've been doing it all that long, but I guess when you do two a week, you get to 50 pretty quick. You do. And since we missed 42 and the obvious life, the universe, and everything, we have to mark this. <laughs> yeah, I'm still... I realized just in the middle of the night one night, I was like, we just did episode 42 and it wasn't a Hitchhiker's Guide episode. And I can't believe I missed that opportunity. It's a travesty. (laughs) That's funny. But anyway, we just kind of tonight, um, we, we have a few things to talk about. Not a lot. I did want to take a minute. I, I want to talk a little bit about the, Expansion. I hope you'll still go read my article on the sciencefictionary.com, but I did because I know a lot of you aren't going to go read that article. So I wanted to also talk a little bit here about the latest free expansion DLC for Civilization VI. And we've talked on here, me and Robbie actually talked on here a couple of weeks ago about... Pirates. About pirates. Sid Meier's Pirates. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, David, if you get an opportunity to play that, if you catch it on sale on the Xbox store or something mm-hmm. at some point, you really should go play through that game. It's a tremendous old game. You can play through a full story in a couple of days. Um, it, it doesn't take too long. Is it long. not on Game Pass? That's awesome. It might be on the Game Pass. I'm not sure. It might be. I know that they just added like a bunch of Civ stuff. I'd definitely check it out. Well, we also you know just got the just I also think I saw it on there the other day. It's less than like fifteen dollars. Yeah, it should be cheap. It, even if it's not on the Game Pass, it should be cheap. Mm-hmm. But it's a really fun game. It holds up. I mean, it's got some dated things about it, and but the it's music still is terrible. Game, but it is still a game that I pick up and play. I'll play a, a, a campaign through a couple of times a year just because it's a fun, not very involved, kind of relaxed game to just go play. And there's a lot of different ways to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a game that deserves to be mm-hmm. remade. It's a, it's a game that with the modern AIs could be way, way more fun than even the old one mm-hmm. and actually make some of those elements that were... Uh, one of the elements was you could, as you raided and plundered cities and ships, you could keep all the goods, the spices and the the gems and, and all that, gold and all that. So you could actually mm-hmm. go from city to city and sell your goods that you've captured, and they're worth different amounts in different places, whether the city's a wealthy city or a poor city, and those kind of things. And the AI was never real good on that. Um, part of what would happen is you'd go to sell a bunch of spice or something and the city would run out of gold. Right. But they could do things now where you could actually play entire games where you were trying to win an economic victory. Right. 
you know, and control the, the flow of goods to these cities. Mm-hmm. But they added this pirates feature to Civ. And as I said, it's free. Di- it was a free patch. It's not a big deal. But what I will say is you get exactly what you paid for. It, oh. it maxes at 60 turns. In the old game, the old Pirates is not a turn-based game, so it was going to be very different from the get-go. But it's limited to 60 turns. You feel like you're playing a demo. By the time you get anything of real substance going, it's over. Hmm. Oh. That's crazy, because Civilization goes on forever. Right. The fact that they limit it to 60, now they may expand it. They may have been trying to work the bugs out. Mm-hmm. But... You know, it, it to me is it, it you're gonna put the time in it and kind of what I said about it from the get after I played I played three games and said, you know, it's all of the wasted time and none of the charm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if oh, so sucks. if you've got Civ Six, if you've already got it, it's free. It's a free update. Give it a try. You may enjoy it more than I did. If you're hoping for a something to tide you over while we still hope and wait for a new version of Sid Meier's Pirates and you don't own Civ 6, do not run out and spend the money on Civ 6 thinking that you're getting Sid Meier's Pirates. You are not. Yeah, that's a shame because it did sound so cool when we talked about it uh, uh, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not buy Civ Six. I still play Civ Five um, because I just didn't. It just it never seemed like it was worth paying the money for a new game when I had Civ Five. And and honestly, I felt like I could just the the experience that I wanted to get, I was getting from Civ Five. Yeah. So I it wasn't worth it for me to go get the money. But this was something that I was really thinking about, like considering getting Civ 6 for. Yeah. Legitimately, after that conversation, I was saying, like, I need to get Civ 6 finally so I can do the Pirates. And now it's something I could probably just download a better mod for it for Civ 5. Right. Now, where where this could be interesting is if they expand it to make it more than 60 turns. And it is four-player multiplayer. So... It could be a lot of fun if they will expand it. It could be a lot of fun to play with your friends. It was not fun playing against the AI pirate. So it, it's it's just missing a lot. And, and then Civ 6, Civ 5, I, I can still consider Civ 5 to probably be the pinnacle of civilization. Civ 6 does a lot of things really well. It's a beautiful... Yeah, that's exactly why I just never bought Civ 6. I already had Civ 5. And just... Right. And Civ Six is a beautiful game. I do love that I can play Civ Six on my Xbox. Mm-hmm. But what I don't love is that they sort of overcomplicated the game. For six. Uh-huh. You know, with you know, having to build your districts instead of just building buildings and, and wonders and things in your city. Like your city is on a tile and then your districts are built around it. And there's all these adjacency bonuses and you need this district needs to be located next to this district or a certain resource or, and it is kind of a pain in the butt for a game that I always played as kind of a, 
just a really chill, just sit back and and not really think too hard about it kind of game. It's not a right. game you were ever looking to read the manual for. Right. So that being that being said, Civ Six is a good game, and they've continued to improve it. But the pirates thing was a miss. Um, David, have you played? You haven't played. You don't really play FPSs, do you? Um, not as frequently as you do. Okay. Have you tried Apex Legends at all? I've tried. I've, I've played Apex. I have played Apex. Okay. Um, not much. Apex is a game that I would, if you are really into uh, stories, they're currently doing some kind of comics. It's it's a, I say comic, it's, it's in the game. But the story that you're unlocking in comic form, comic book form as you're going through it, okay. that's uh, been pretty neat. But they have, from day one with that game, done some really cool things with their stories. And the new season just started. We're one week into the new season. Uh, this will be season seven. Um, and the new map, we got a brand new map. The new map is beautiful. It has had a higher learning curve than the previous maps. But it is, uh, it's been a lot of fun. I think they may have added the best new legend that they've added since the originals. And um, if you like shooters and you like kind of rich sci-fi stories, I'd definitely go give Apex Legends a try. Mm-hmm. Hey, and if you listen I'll to the show, find me, track me down, send me a message on Twitter, and, and maybe we can get together and play. I'll tell you what, I've been real nostalgic lately uh, for Overwatch, but I do not want to download and play that game again. Maybe Apex could fill that void. Check out Apex. I mean, I pretty much yeah. play every day. Uh, you know, we're always on, so um, we'll get on and get on and play it. And uh, like I said, it takes a little My while to kind of adjust, but it is currently, I, as far as the battle royale games, I still, you know, I haven't. Now granted, I haven't played the most recent Call of Duty open world uh, battle royale, but the. I, right now, I would say Apex Legends is the pinnacle of Battle Royale FPS games. That's awesome. And and not just for what they're doing with the game, but for the storytelling they're coupling with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess... You, you don't like Fortnite? You know, I actually played a lot of Fortnite for probably a year. Yeah. And, and it's... Because... We didn't really have anything else to play. You know, we had a new call. We had played one Call of Duty for a couple of years because there were a couple of iterations that we just didn't enjoy. And Mm -hmm. when kind of the third iteration of Call of Duty hit that just really didn't seem like another step back in the game, we just kind of went looking for something else. So we landed on Fortnite for a little bit. I I really don't like playing third person. Yeah. Um, and, and Fortnite was a little silly. It had a lot of problems with it. and um, But now it's real silly. Yeah. I think that it's gotten a little sillier as it's gone. Uh, but as soon as Apex Legends, I mean, we started day one on Apex Legends when it launched. And it's been a tremendous FPS. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. 
everyone, this is Todd Hoffman from WSTR Galactic Public Access. I can't believe I'm saying this, but we are celebrating our 200th episode, and it's coming up very soon, and we need your help. So how can you do that? Simple. Just send us your transmission over at mailbox at wstrmedia.com, or you can leave us a voicemail, 630 630- five five seven nine seven eight seven that's six three zero five five seven nine seven eight seven uh yeah we started this podcast way back in december of 2016 right around when rogue one was releasing and now we are getting up to that 200th episode and we can't be more excited to do this and we want to just celebrate it with our podcast family our star wars family Uh, We can't be more happier to be part of the Red 5 Network, and we would love to have all your voicemails, all your emails. And the other way you can do it is just tweet us, whatever, at WSTR Media. We'll take them all, um, and we just want to celebrate with the family as we have uh, a big, you know, 200th celebration. And we can't be more excited than in Star Wars and everything that's going on. Uh, We are looking to do 200 more, so uh, we just need your help as we near this 200th episode. Again, just email us at mailbox at wsnermedia.com or voicemail 630-557-9787. Appreciate all you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you you for all the support on the socials. We we couldn't do it without you. Um, And we love you guys. And may the force be with you always. So as we kind of get into our 50th episode of the show, one of the things we kind of wanted to step back and do tonight, because we do have some series that we're working on with the Pillars conversations, and I was kind of thinking that next week maybe we could do the Pillars of Action Heroes. Ooh. Ooh, that's awesome. So just throw that one out there. Pillars or Rushmore? I'm sorry, the Mount Rushmore of Action Heroes. Okay. Okay. Nice. I already got the names flowing. <laughs> so, yeah, to go ahead and give y'all a jump on that one, and I, I'll have to send Daniel a message and Robbie a message and, and let them be thinking on that one, too. Mm-hmm. But we're kind of going to take a little bit of a break from the from the Mount Rushmore series. We've got another Pillar series coming up that we kind of want to kick off by the end of the year and and several other things that we've got going on but tonight I I sent out a, a request earlier for questions for the group and I got back some things that I thought were were interesting um some of them a little more like what's your favorite kind of questions and then one from Roe that's mm-hmm. really kind of a complex question but is really interesting and relevant to our show and what we do and what we discuss here every week and I was really hoping that Daniel would stay for that one in particular. But um, I'm going to start off with Rose's question because I think it's the one individually that's going to take a little bit more time. 
But Roe asked, how has sci-fi and fantasy in general changed the fan landscape? It used to be taboo to like spaceships and wizards. And now it's like, that's the thing. That's the norm. You know, it's... So really, it's kind of the question of when did it become cool to be a nerd or a geek? Hmm. And I think that... When was it not? And that's exactly what I was about (laughs) to say. And why I wanted to talk to you in particular about this, because you've lived in a world your your entire life where it's never been uncool to be into nerdy things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Now, let me tell you. um, I'll tell you the moment that I stopped being embarrassed uh, about what I liked. Like, fully, like, you know, I, I, and I've always been, like, a you know, never, like, shy about it. But, you know, I was always aware that, like, if I tell people that I like Star Wars, I'm probably going to get made fun of a little bit um, in school. But the moment that I realized that it was all, like, fully changing and, and, and made, a, and made a, like, a huge change, like, a huge shift was it was right before... Uh, a movie came out. I'll tell you what the movie is um, after the story, because I'll let you guess. And I remember before this movie came out, and I was really excited to see it. And uh, I was actually at my house waiting for my dad to come pick me up uh, after he got off work. He was going to come to the house, pick me up, and we were going to go see the movie. It was opening weekend for the movie. And I'm hanging out with this guy in my neighborhood who wasn't necessarily, he wasn't like a bully, but he was a cool kid. He, he was into sports. He played football. He was a cool kid. I was very much not a cool kid, right? And he goes, what you doing? I say, oh, I'm waiting on my dad to go see a movie. And he goes, what movie? And I honestly get afraid to tell him. I say, I, I, I kind of get nervous. And I think about lying, but I just say, you know what? And I tell him the movie. And I think he's about to make fun of me, but I say that's stupid. He's, he's about to laugh. And he, but he says, instead what he says is, oh my God, I'm so jealous. I can't wait to see that movie. Any guesses what it was? All right. How, so How old were you? He didn't tell us. Uh, I was 12. So it was 2012. Okay. Or maybe 11. Maybe 2011. 2011, 2012. I mean, 2000. Hmm. I'll just tell you. It was the Avengers. Avengers. Okay. okay. I was thinking Marvel, and I was like, well, it's too late for mm-hmm. Iron Man, so which one? Yeah. Uh, no, it was Avengers. And that's all of a sudden the moment whenever he realized cool kids go see these things too. Right. Yeah. And that was the moment where I was like, holy crap. And then I went to school the next week. And people were talking about it in class. Cool kids. Like, Mm -hmm. people that I would never speak to in my life. They were saying things. I overheard conversations where they were asking questions that I knew the answer to. So (laughs) I would chime in. And I would tell them the answer. And they would go, whoa, how'd you know that? And I'd say, I read comic books. And they go, you read comic books? And then all of a sudden, this is a crazy phenomenon for me. People are asking me 
if they can borrow some of my comic books to read, they're saying, hey, man, can you just bring me some Captain America books, some Iron Man books, some Thor books, Avengers, Spider-Man. You got any Spider-Man books? I lost a lot of comic books, actually, because of letting <laughs> people borrow it and then never getting it back. But yeah. I'm not even mad because, like, I was very happy to spread that. Yeah. So for me, a big shift in, in my life, definitely, um, and sort of what led me into, like, very openly being like, yeah, I like comic books and nerd movies and these cult classic things and, mm-hmm. and sort of, like, talking about them a lot and bringing them up was the Avengers and then everything that kind of came after that. Um because then that slowly opened up the door. And um, the truth is, like I said, when was it not cool? But, like, I think it's always been cool. I think everybody is sort of uh, has a predisposition to liking that kind of thing. It's just you, you, there has to be enough of it for, en- for it to be exposed to enough people for enough people to see it and then all openly say we like it right so everybody was in their little corner thinking oh i like this thing but everybody else you know is gonna think i'm you know so stupid for liking it and everybody has this secret sort of dialogue going and then all of a sudden it's like wait a second you too (laughs) yeah and once there's and once there's enough of that thing that more people are seeing it yeah then more people are talking about it and then you realize everybody would like this everybody would have liked this a while ago but it was over here in this corner and they didn't even know it existed Mm -hmm. yeah that's a big thing i think also is just the more content that there is the more people that are going to see these nerdy things so the more people that are going to like it when people don't like it it might it might just be they haven't even seen it yeah and and i do think that i mean you know pre 1970s definitely being into the 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 you know if you were just really into sci-fi and comics and you were definitely considered a nerd those things were for kids right mm-hmm. you know it wasn't necessarily weird for a kid to be into those things but if you were 17 18 years old and you were still really into comic books and sci-fi then you were kind of a weirdo I do think, and I think part of what David's saying is, one, is you need enough of people to embrace that thing. Mm-hmm. And I think the first thing that really did that, the thing that put the first big dent in the armor, was Star Wars. Absolutely. Because it was so widely loved. Right. And and it occurred at the perfect point right. in time where... You were in the middle of this Gen X movement of be yourself, be who you are, do it your way. And which opened up a lot of doors to people being more open to. It's like, well, he's not doing it like I am, but, you know, he's doing it. And so I do think that Star Wars and kind of the whole Gen X mindset when that was, you know, mm-hmm. you know, Star Wars is 77 through 83, which just kickstarted this big revolution mm-hmm. in sci-fi movies in particular. So I would say that 
that definitely was the first big punch, but it was definitely through the 80s and 90s. If you were just really, you know, if you liked those, you had seen them. It was like you weren't, that didn't necessarily make you a nerd. But you got to look back at the 80s, early 90s. That's the heyday of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. That's the heyday of a lot of sci-fi TV. And if you were just like a little too into those things, it definitely still made you a nerd. Like Trekkies were like, I, I remember like knowing as a kid, Trekkies are weird. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's not, you know, pop culture wasn't really a big thing in my house, but like it was acknowledged like, oh yeah. And then there's those weird people who go to Star Trek conventions <laughs> Right. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely things like Star Trek conventions and things like that. I mean, you were a special kind of nerd, and you still are a special kind of nerd if you do those things. It's not looked down on anymore. Right. And I, and I do think that it's been this movement where there still are people that are very, very nerdy. Mm-hmm. And maybe on the fringes of, of, of that, you know, maybe a little more nerdy than the general populace is comfortable with. Right. But... You also, I think what happened was a movement towards the center where your normal culture and your kind of nerd geek culture kind of moved more to a center where you just have so many people that are into these things, especially now with the comic book films Mm -hmm. and, and all of that stuff going on. It's just the norm now. Well, if you really think about it, all of the... The people who were the nerds in the 80s and the 90s and kind of looked down on all of a sudden, by 2000, these people are starting to have a lot of influence on culture. They're, they're the people who are make you know, they're starting to make a lot of money in the weird nerdy jobs they've gone into, computers all of a sudden. These people are, are, are successful and they're driving a lot of what's happening in the world because now all of a sudden the kids who played Dungeons and Dragons in their basement in the eighties are adults and they're buying things. And all of a sudden people go, Oh my gosh, there's a market for this. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden all there. So now there's this huge glut of eighties nostalgia and most of it is very centered around nerd culture. And I think that in a lot of ways it's, it's an acknowledgement that the the it's kind of a, a this revolution has occurred the the downtrodden you know and the look down on um kind of group of kids who were just like you know these weird kids who did these weird things all of a sudden now they're the ones in a position of power they're the ones with the money they're the ones making the movies right and and driving pop culture and so now all of a sudden we've got a world where it's, it's cool to be, you know, it's cool to be a nerd. It's, it's, you know, sort of this thing that people have embraced. And, and I think in, in some ways it's an acknowledgement of people just quit giving a damn about, you know, like, okay, you know, like sticks and stones, Mm -hmm. you know, people just sort of decided that, you know, like you were saying, David, all of a sudden you realize that, you know, you had like this valuable information and all of a sudden people who were like, oh, you know, that's stupid. Well, it's like, well, you know, maybe, maybe you're stupid because you just don't understand, you know, you, 
And so right. now people who are just don't get it are the minority, really. Right. And, and, I, and I think there's some, because I did some reading beforehand on this, and, and there's some interesting things where, um, you know, one of the fastest ways to take the sting out of words meant to be derogatory is to embrace them. Mm-hmm. And the culture embraced, yes, I'm a geek. Yes, I'm a nerd. Yeah, you know, whatever the dividing, whatever the dividing line between what is a geek and what is a nerd is. Mm-hmm. I really think the words are mostly used interchangeably now. Yeah. But one of the things... 1999, because you mentioned mm-hmm. 2000, 1999 appears to be this magical point in time where you had the Matrix, the Phantom Menace, the Iron Giant, and Galaxy Quest all dropped in that year. Yep. And those were the some of the biggest movies on the planet. Absolutely. And I, and I think that that, I think that it was this thing that Star Wars started. And then Lord of the Rings came out right on the heels, like in the middle of Star Wars coming out. But I think Star Wars in 1977, Mm -hmm. Star Wars started this movement where sci-fi and fantasy could be things that the general populace was into, that it didn't have to be this fringe thing anymore. Where it moved more to the mainstream, and you see that through the '80s with things like Raiders, Back, to the, Back to the Future and Indiana Jones, and and all these things that came out in the '80s, and then some of that in the '90s. But really, by the time you get into the 2000s, and Star Wars is back, and Lord of the Rings is out, X Men, and then the comic book films, mm-hmm. and I think that it all really builds from 1977. Mm-hmm. Star Wars, because, and we know this, I mean, we talk about this regularly on our other shows, Star Wars changed the world. Mm-hmm. It is the most significant pop, you know, movie in pop culture, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, and I think, you know, you've kind of, it, almost like you can see it in waves, you know, you have that wave in the 70s, and then you have it again, you know, uh, 1999 90s. in the late late 90s early 2000s you know you have like i said you have star wars lord of the rings then x-men movies start coming out and they're like different than comic book movies used to be mm-hmm. um and then you know so then there's kind of that and then the avengers hits and all of a sudden i, I think really at that point it all just breaks wide open yeah. You know, anybody who could pretend to, you know, even people who were like, I'm not doing Star Wars, not doing Lord of the Rings, X-Men, that's stupid. All of a sudden, now, even, I mean, even my mother's like, wow, um, the Hulk. My mom was all about the Hulk, which is like the weirdest sci-fi thing ever. And my mom is not a sci-fi, but they're compelling they're telling really compelling stories. They just happen to have this weird sci-fi backdrop. Right. So yeah, um, money and, uh, and entertainment. It, it does some interesting things to the world for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I think another thing before we kind of move away from this, cause we do need to move on was that, um, not that women weren't always part of the science fiction, Fantasy, geek culture. F- geek culture. 
but it's almost like they were even more, even less likely to talk about it mm-hmm. than than guys were, and that when women fully embraced the nerd culture, well, whenever when women really, finally acknowledged that they were nerds too. Um, David, did you have anything else to say on on that? I think it's just it's, I, I really do believe that everybody is sort of okay. Most people can find something in like pop culture and nerd culture that they enjoy, mm-hmm. and whenever they actually like take the time to look at it, and the more of it that's there, the more they're able to see. Then they find something. Also, I think that they're that over the years, nerds and and geeks have become more open to letting other things kind of be considered nerd culture that Mm -hmm. might have just been regular old pop culture. That's true. Does that make sense? Like, um, it might have been that Terminator would just be an action movie. It's pop culture. It's a big action movie, right? But Mm -hmm. now it's kind of accepted into nerd culture. If you're a Terminator fan, you've kind of been accepted into like the community as like yeah you're a nerd and it's almost right. like and you know i think everybody's also looking for a place to fit in mm-hmm. um and the more and just as time goes on people become more and more comfortable fitting in different places mm-hmm. and the and internet man you can the find the internet yeah the internet's a big one yeah you know you can find i mean and honestly i think that's a big factor all of a sudden you can whatever you're into you can find other people who are into it too. And There's a subreddit for it. Exactly. There absolutely is. Um, yeah. You know, so like the internet chat rooms back in the day, and then with the advent of social media, now all of a sudden, you know, everybody you know checks in at the movie theater the weekend that the Avengers movie. So yeah, definitely an interesting, uh, an interesting chronology there. Yeah. So it really boils down to... Yes, nerd culture was once kind of looked down on. Mm-hmm. But was it looked down on because it was supposed to be? Because those were things kids were into? Even though most people were still fans of something that would have placed them firmly within that culture. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't socially acceptable to be into things that only kids were supposed to be into. Mm-hmm. All right, so moving on from there, we had some other questions from from the Backyard TARDIS, who's always good about sending us questions. And, of Absolutely. course, he said, you don't have to uh, mm-hmm. do all of the questions, but he just sent us a bunch, and frankly, I think we're probably going to do them all. Um, I love it. So I love questions. The first one, I think that David is going to have limited viewpoint on, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Um, okay. What is your favorite Star Trek crew? Ooh. Hmm. Wow. Let's see. Um, I got two of them that I can choose from. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got three. Yeah, you've got Kelvin. three. Well, you, yeah, I mean, because I would consider the Kelvin timeline crew to be different. Hell yeah. yeah. And then original series, and you've watched some Next Generation. So you've got, you've yeah. got three. I got three. Okay, well, okay, I'll put it like this then. I do I do think it's fair to consider Kelvin timeline up in there. Um, I've got two to pick from. 
that was a knock on the Kelvin. I, I, don't, I didn't mean to be so rude against Kelvin. I like the Kelvin <laughs> timeline, but um, no, I mean, I mean, the, I think that the characters are great. I think the actors are great portraying those characters, but there's no way in hell that I would pick the Kelvin timeline over just the original. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah, fair. I think that's fair. I think they, they do a great job of portraying those characters. Um, I don't know what the original does way better is portraying those characters as friends, but to be fair, they had a lot more time to do that. Right. Um, and you know, for that reason, I might have to pick the the OG crew. Just even if my favorite characters are probably in the Next Generation crew, but as a crew as a whole, nothing to me beats the camaraderie between the original crew members. Um, the true friendship. I always talk about it. How the fact that like in in the search for Spock, whenever Spock's father uh, wants to search Kirk's mind. I once well wants to um, mind meld with him to give him some information that he needs. Most people would be like, uh, I don't know about that one, but the second that Kirk hears that it'll help Spock, he's down like that. Oh, for Spock, he got it. Right. Um, and th- in that movie, whenever they're leaving, and, and Kirk's like, we're committing a crime basically, so y'all can get off right now if you want, and not a single one of them even considers it. Um, that they're with Kirk, like they 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 are all true friends. The the friendship between McCoy, Kirk, and Spock, and then you even throw in Ahura and Scotty and 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 um and and Chekhov and everyone like that. Like I don't know if there's a crew, at least from what I've seen, and I have watched a little bit of Deep Space Nine, and I haven't seen any of the other ones though, but. From what I can tell, I don't think there's a crew that are closer friends uh, than the original. No, I don't think so. I don't think they necessarily went for that same dynamic with any of the other series. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm picking, if I'm if I'm a captain and I'm picking my crew, <laughs> like who's going to be the best crew? It's it's hard not to pick the next generation crew. At least from my limited knowledge. Yeah. Um, well, like who I think would be the most effective. Yeah. Marisha, what about you? You know, I, I think that I have to, uh, I think I have to agree that it's really, I, I think it's got to be the, uh, the original series um, Enterprise crew because, I mean, they're just so, they're just so great. And not that the others aren't, but just just going favorites, I, th- I think that I might have to to call favorites there because, you know, I mean, how could you beat William Shatner and his arrogant swagger mm-hmm. <laughs> and everyone who puts up with them? <laughs> right, but they put up with him because they're such good friends. It's true. Because he's earned it. It's true. Um. Who who's the best captain? Of all these crews, oh, that is that is a them's fighting words. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's one thing they've done such a great job with is captains, and 
you know, you talk, most people talk Kirk and Picard, but you, it's hard to leave. If you watch Voyager, it's really hard to leave Janeway out of the discussion. I've also seen Cisco thrown yeah. out a lot in that conversation. People love Cisco. So, yeah, that's a that's an interesting discussion, and, and not one that I am a Trek fan, but I am not a like hardcore deep knowledge Star Trek fan. Mm-hmm. Like so it well, what would, would your favorite crew be? My favorite crew, that one is hard and I, I I agree with pretty much everything that y'all said. I still think that I'm going with the next generation crew as my favorite. And it may be biased because that's the one as a kid I grew up watching every night. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's the thing about favorites is, just, you know, they get to be your favorite for whatever reason. Right. So while I agree with everything you said about the original series crew, which I, I love um, dearly, but I would say that my favorite crew is the Next Generation crew. Awesome. It's not a bad choice. It's true. And I do love me some Kelvin, some Kelvin too, but... uh. Again, you know, that's that's put him up as get some stiff competition. Now, this next question is going to be a little bit different because I might be the only one here that can answer it. I certainly can't. Um, David, have you ever watched Red versus Blue? Um, I'm very familiar with it. Um, well, I, I know exactly what it is, but I, I I can't. I don't think I could answer a single question about it. Okay, so. Uh, Nick asked what our who our favorite red versus blue character is. Um, I'm going to say first of all, I'm a much bigger fan of the early red versus blue stuff when it was a little bit sillier, and the silliest of all has always been Caboose. And I just I love as as much as I love sci-fi and fantasy and all these things. I'm also a huge comedy fan. And Caboose never failed to make me laugh. Caboose is my favorite Red versus Blue character. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I could never get into Red versus Blue. I'm pretty sure you made me watch an episode or two of it, but uh, now, just wasn't really now my thing. Now, this next one, we're kind of doing these. If Daniel had been around, we could have had more people discuss these. Uh, this next one might actually be only for Marisha. Uh. Who is your favorite Doctor Who, Doctor. Okay, so with the caveat that I have not watched classic Doctor Who, I know, I know, I know. Alas, Nicholas, you're going to have to forgive me for still not having watched classic Doctor Who. We'll add that to the list of Mauritius uh, sins. But, um, I mean, it's got to be um, David Tennant, right? I mean, he's just the greatest. And uh-huh. and I really have enjoyed um I really have enjoyed uh the the different iterations of the doctor. Um I really did like uh nine, you know, uh Christopher Eccleston. I think I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Um you know, I really enjoyed him and, and I really, you know, um had my feelings hurt whenever of course David Tennant left and Matt Smith showed up. But I, I think, you know, I think 10's got to gotta win that. I think it's got to be 
Yeah, I've um I've seen one series of Doctor Who, and it was the David Tennant series. Yes. So um, well, the, the, like, it's, I've seen when I say series, I mean like one set of seasons that were a Doctor, and it was right. David Tennant. So he that's my answer, and I watched them because. I love David Tennant that much. Right. That I was like, I bet this is as amazing as everyone says. And it was. Um, I, I'm in the same boat as you, the David Tennant stuff, and I haven't seen all of it, but that's the only Doctor Who stuff I have seen. And Well, with the exception, mm-hmm. I have seen some Tom Baker episodes. Mm-hmm. But really, that's the only two I've really watched. And so I, I'm going to refrain from picking a favorite because I haven't seen enough of them to really know. I mean, there were some really great episodes with Matt Smith. I would say as a, as a big sci-fi fan, I would, I would admit that Dr. Who is the biggest hole in my sci-fi knowledge. Yeah, that's probably fair. At some point, uh, we'll run out of things to watch and I'll make you watch it. Now, I haven't watched the latest season. Two seasons? I didn't watch... I watched the first Capaldi season, maybe the second one. But I, I'm i behind. So... But yeah, I still think... I, I, I don't... It's unlikely anyone is going to, to unseat David Tennant as my favorite doctor. <laughs> All right. So here's... Um the next one, and, and this one, I, I had to refrain from just going ahead and asking this question during our other episode that we recorded this evening, which will be on <laughs> Thursday. Um, who is your favorite 007, James Bond? And Ooh. I was kind of hoping that Daniel would still be here for for this one. But. In, in order to get Daniel's answer, listen to the episode on Thursday because he elaborates at some length he about did. his. Yes. Uh, and, and I and I actually completely agree with Daniel. I'm going Sean Connery. Yeah. Not just because I think that he was the definitive James Bond. He's the Bond that everybody else, for the most part, has tried to be. He also did some of the best James Bond movies. You know, mm-hmm. some of the best Bond films were Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. But have David, yeah, that's fair. Do you have have um, a? Yeah, I don't think I've seen every a movie with every version of Bond that there is. But I'll tell you, I've seen the Con- Some of the I haven't seen every Connery movie because he made like seven. Um, seen Connery. Um, uh, uh, Pierce. Yeah. Um, uh, I think I saw more in there, and I've seen the Craig movies. Um, it's really hard to beat Sean Connery. Like he, that, that's that is quintessential Bond. I have a soft spot for Pierce Bronson just because. Um, I, I think those are like the first ones that I. Those are the first ones that I have memories of ever seeing. Right. Um, well, he would have been Bond when you were a kid. Right. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Like I have, I have those memories, and I've gone back and seen them, and and um, and you know, Golden Eye and, and stuff like that. Um, like the game, the classic game that I played. So then, I just have a lot of memories of that, but I haven't seen that in a long time. So I'm gonna go Craig actually, because I love those movies, and I love his interpretation uh, of 
of the character, especially uh, Casino Royale. Um, I love his arc. And, and you know, this, this is, I, I don't know how true this is because I haven't seen every single Bond movie, but it seems to me that Daniel Craig's Bond might have the biggest actual character arc. Um, yes. In terms of like changing from point A to point B. Yeah. Uh, uh, especially through the through like the first two. Yeah. The the originals were there wasn't a lot of character arc. A little it's, one note maybe. It's kind of serialized movies. It, it's right. You um, know, it's James Bond. It's the James Bond you you know and love, and this is his villain this this year. Yeah. You know, it's and I really enjoyed seeing da- Daniel Craig his bond had to grow into that bond, you know? Um, it, it took him a whole movie to get there. It wasn't until the end of Casino Royale, that last ending sequence, when he is really James Bond. Um, right. So, just because of that, and I enjoy his interpretation, I enjoy how physical that James Bond is. probably been the most, it seems to me he's been the most physical James Bond. Easily, and I, and I think that that was a. I think that was to kind of address the 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 way that movies were changing, and and you know Bond before was very sci-fi, you know it wasn't about his ability to win a fight as much as it was about the tech and the gadgets and the, you know, and his yeah. his abilities as a spy and. I think that maybe they felt some pressure from that the the Mission Impossible franchise might be passing mm-hmm. them by, yeah. and and it was, mm-hmm. it, it absolutely was because let's face it, Tom Cruise he's bigger than Pierce Brosnan, yeah, yeah, and the the Mission Impossible movies are a very different take, a far more action packed take on the spy genre, right. and I I think that it was trying to bond this way how do we keep a bond how do how does it stay bond how does it stay true to what it is but we've got to do a little bit more action mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know prior to that most of the action revolved around car you know cars mm-hmm. you know you, yeah you had a lot of car stuff especially in the pierce brosnan stuff but and then we got fast and furious and well you're not going to outdo <laughs> fast and furious with car chases right yeah, so uh, and and the other one that was kind of the game changer in the genre was the born stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So all of a sudden, it's like you know, there a lot of the spy stuff that was made back in the day. I mean, things like Get Smart, you know, it's kind of like very gadgety and you know, kind of um, didn't take itself too seriously. Um, and spy movies definitely have done different things. You know, it's one of the. One of the genres you can definitely look at and nail the decade, I think. Yeah. Um, because it, they've, they've had so many different interpretations of, of what a spy movie is uh, in different decades. So Right. I would actually compare the transition of this film very much to the transition in the Superman films. Mm-hmm. Where you had your old school James Bonds and they're all very much trying to play the same character. Mm -hmm. And then Pierce Brosnan is a very different Bond. But Pierce Brosnan's Bond is very much a love letter 
to all of the Bond films that came before it. Right. Much like Brandon Routh, Superman is mm-hmm. very much a love letter to the old right. Superman, Reeve. the old Christopher Reeve Superman movies, mm-hmm. while still sort of being a different kind of Superman. Right. And then we see the transition. I think that was kind of the transition into modern film. Mm-hmm. For those movies, that is the 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 transitional piece, mm-hmm. where we yeah. see those movies come out of the other side. They're instead of just like your character never really changes much, and you you have a different villain to fight in each movie, and all this, where we start to see more story based, continuous story between movies, mm-hmm. and character growth, and and change and all those things become more important in the modern story arcs and um so i I do i really like daniel craig's um take on the character i really never thought that i would when they first cast daniel craig i thought it was a very very strange choice um but it, it has turned out to be a very good choice and Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll have to listen to our episode Thursday to hear us talk a little bit about who we think ought to be James Bond next. Yes, absolutely. We have opinions. Mm-hmm. Jonah Hill. Jonah, absolutely. Uh, Marisha, did you tell us who your favorite Bond is? I, I don't know that I really um, am qualified to make a call on that. The only one I've ever seen is... Uh, Daniel Craig. Okay. So in, in much the same way that, that y'all have a limited scope for uh, naming favorite doctors, uh, I have a limited scope for naming um, favorite James Bond because uh, mm-hmm. I've just only seen the one. I mean, I really have enjoyed seeing the one, but uh, it's the only one I've seen. All right. All right. So the next question is one that's going to be a little more fun, I think. And we have touched on... And we have touched on a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we're going to ask it... It's a two-part question, and I'm going to ask... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to ask it that way. But the question is concerning Nathan Fillion. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I would say here at the Science Fictionary, he's definitely a favorite. Absolutely. How could he not For be? Sure. What Star Wars character would you like to see Nathan Fillion play? Um, Dash Rendar. I, yeah, I mean that—that's a really great option. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think that's been the consensus in 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 past discussions on on this related on related topics, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm still, you know, I have a hard time saying, I mean, he would be a great Dash Rendar. Uh-huh. At the same time, you do have Zachary Levi sitting out there going, I want to be Dash Rendar. Uh, yeah, he's so, true. Um, and they'd be two very different interpretations of it. They, they would. Absolutely. Um, and my problem is, is other than Dash Rendar, I don't know that there's that character that exists in current material that I'm just like he has to play that guy. You know, I, I because I want to see him play that kind of roguish character. And while the rogue character is really a really big archetype in Star Wars, it has always been filled by Han Solo right. or Dash Rendar. 
Right. As a, as a Han Solo, literally as a Han Solo stand-in. Right. And because of that, I'm more inclined to believe that I would like to see Nathan Fillion brought in to play a new character. You know, honestly, in a new Star Wars era. So I'm going to just throw out instead of a specific character like an existing canon or uh, no. So there are no other Legends characters particularly you'd like to see him. I mean, so the deal is, is that when you deal with Legends, there are a few roguish characters. If we're going to do Knights of the Old Republic, I mean, let him play Carthonasi. Mm-hmm. You'd be great. The problem is, is that I don't look at Nathan Fillion and go, I want to see him play a Jedi. No, I don't. I want to see Nate, and I don't want to see him play a, a villain. I, I want to see I him play a politician. S- he could be really interesting at that. But it's like at the same time, it's like, just look at it this way. The closest you're ever going to get to seeing Malcolm Reynolds again is to have Nathan Fillion play a rogue smuggler, smuggler type character in the Star mm. Wars universe. Now, now, I will say Nathan Fillion as a Mandalorian mm-hmm. could be a lot of fun. And that's, I would like to see him as something with a little more of an edge. You know, he's done a lot of more comedic things, you know, mm-hmm. over the years. Um, but I, I would like to see him not like the castle character, you know, who's like, he's capable, but he's mostly kind of a clown, you know, who just sort of is also capable at right. things. I would really like to see him as. Like I said, a politician or, you know, or a cargo pilot or a man of dubious repute. I don't really care, but I want to see him, like, be a little bit scary. That's what I want to see Nathan Fillion do in Star Wars. Uh, hey, hey, a Mandalorian might be. Fillion play a Sith? Hmm, Maybe. See, I'd like to see him go out of his comfort zone a bit and maybe do that. Um so I, I have two more thoughts on that. Uh, one, um, my the kind of character I always play in a Star Wars role-playing game is literally what I would want Nathan Fillion to play um, in, in, a, in a movie, like a roguish type character. But um, what I always play, because you always end up being a Jedi in those role-playing games, right? Right. I always play a rogue who becomes a Jedi and gets kind of roped into it. Uh, there's a great like comic book that's like an alternate universe where um, Luke dies uh, while during the first Death Star battle, and huh. so um, Han Solo ends up on um, on Dagobah with Yoda and starts like kind of training with a lightsaber and stuff, and he kind of becomes this roguish Jedi. I actually think that would be a really cool concept to see. Like, straight up, what if Han Solo became a Jedi? And I know it doesn't fit the classic... Like, I, I, I totally get why that's not a thing, and I totally understand why it isn't, why people would be against that. I'm not saying I want Han Solo himself to be a Jedi, but I'd love to see somebody who, like, is a rogue who gets sort of roped into being a Jedi and is a little bit of an unconventional Jedi in that way. Um, like still keeps that roguish attitude and everything, but is a Jedi. Uh, I think that that'd be a really cool kind of character to see. 
walk that balance. And I would love to see Nathan Fillion play a character like that. Yeah. Also, um, I, I, I have, uh, a, a, another answer. Uh, Malcolm Reynolds. <laughs> Why not Let him show up in the Mandalorian? They're at a cantina and it's like, who are you? And he goes, uh, Reynolds, Malcolm Reynolds. <laughs> and he's just Malcolm Reynolds. Just um, leave it at that and be like, ha ha nerds have fun working so, that one out. Mm-hmm. You hadn't really said anything yet. Who, who would you, um, okay, so I have postulated I want to see him do something, like, intimidating, right? Yeah. Um, what about, like, a... I mean, what do you think of him as something like Revan? Well, and that, that was going to be my next question, is, you know, we hear a certain type actor thrown around for Revan, but mm-hmm. what about somebody like a Nathan Fillion mm-hmm. as Revan? I mean... I certainly we, we think he could to, pull it off. We tend to go get... Who's dark and brooding? Dark and brooding. The problem is, especially if you stick by the the Legends story for Revan, like he is, he's a Jedi, mm-hmm. a great Jedi. Right. Who becomes, because of some some conflict with other Jedi, you know, mm-hmm. and some, some ideas that are going on in the galaxy, he kind of becomes dark and brooding. Mm-hmm. But that's not really his character where you pick up playing him. Right. Yeah. See, that's the thing about Revan. And I don't know. I'm sure he's been featured in many other stories um, outside of... Revan, Revan, surprisingly, is almost limited to KOTOR. Really? Okay. Well, yeah. awesome. Well, in that case, the thing about Revan is, yes, you know that he was at one point a Jedi and then kind of became a Sith and kind of and can became a Sith and then kind of depending on how you play can either stay down that dark path or that redeeming path. Here's the thing who that character is, is, is you it's however you play, right? Like who Mm -hmm. it actually develops. Um, That's why it can kind of be a difficult thing to cast, but that kind of fits greatly with what I just said, because when I play Revan, I play a character mm-hmm. who's kind of roguish and charming. Mm-hmm. And when you take away the way I interpret it always, and I love, that's why I love Knights of the Republic playing it. When you take away the Jedi and Sith aspects of his character, what are you left with? And that's kind of what, and then you get to decide that. Right. right. And I always decided that Revan is one charming son of a gun. Um, who is funny and what, who is Malcolm Reynolds basically. Yeah. Um, so that would be freaking awesome. I would adore that. It kind of fits exactly what I just said of like, I always play a character like that. I'd love to see a character who is witty and a rogue type character, but who also can use the force and has a lightsaber. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, there are a lot of things if we're looking at, you know, a big series, a big leading role. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see him play that role. And we know that he can do the really dark moment when he needs to. Yep. Um, and we, we see that in, in Firefly, specifically in Serenity, when he says, mm-hmm. oh, you think I'm nice? You haven't seen me at war. Mm-hmm. And when, when, he's, when push comes to shove, 
he's coming for you. Mm-hmm. And and he, and he plays that really, really well. So I could also see him as, I, I also wouldn't mind seeing him as a recurring character, as some sort of gunslinger or something else in The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So there are a lot of roles. I think the bottom line is, and I think this is going to be my bottom line in both this and the second part of this question, is that I don't I don't care. I don't want it to be a minor role. I don't want it to be a one-off. Mm-hmm. I want him to play a significant role, and I want him to be around for a while. Yep. Because at this, it's really, for me, it's not so much about who he plays as much as it is about the faster they put Nathan Fillion in a Star Wars movie, the better. Absolutely. And, and as far as that crew, you know, from, from Firefly, mm-hmm. I, I, I believe the same exact thing about Gina Torres. The faster you make Gina Torres the captain of a big capital ship, the better. Yep. That'd be awesome. Absolutely. She could do so much. Oh, man. I could see her as literally any role. I I could see her as a Jedi, as a Sith, as a gunslinger, as a Mandalorian, as a, just a captain of a cargo ship. Like, anything. She'd be great at anything. She, she is an actor, as an actress, is one that, yeah, I believe that you can bring her in and she can fill any number of roles and do it really, really well. And so, yeah, for, for both of them, I say the sooner the better. Mm-hmm. Now, the second half of that question was the same question, but in Marvel. Ooh, okay, this is great because I've thought about this a lot. I, I'm pretty um, sure we've actually had this conversation. So there's, I, I bet we have, but I'd love to have it again. So one that's thrown out all the time is Nova. Yeah. Right. Um, he'd be excellent as Nova. I'd love to see that. I think. Wait a minute. He wasn't he literally cast. He was he was cast in Guardians two. Yes. As either it was, was it Nova no. or was it Wonder Man? I'm gonna look it up. I think it might have been Wonder Man. He'd be a great one. It was somebody. He was cast in Guardians 2, but it was cut. Yeah, it was cut. Which He was Simon Williams, and who is Simon Williams? I think that's Wonder Man. I think so, too, but I'm going to confirm that. Yeah, it's, that's it. It's Wonder Man. Okay. So, yeah, he was cast as Wonder Man, and that was cut. So he is still available to fill a role, and, and that one could have been an interesting one, but I, I think would have been maybe more minor than I would like to see Nathan Fillion take on. Mm-hmm. I think you're right, but I personally would love to see Wonder Man not have a minor role. I don't know what y'all know about Wonder Man, but he is a Hollywood stunt because he, he can't die. Right, he's just made of pure energy, so he's a Hollywood stuntman. Um, uh, actually, yeah, and that's his whole thing is that he can't die, so he just does all the stunts. But he wants to be an actor. Okay, like, he. W- he wishes he was good enough to just actually be an actor, not a stuntman. Um, basically, I mean, I haven't read a million Wonder Man stories, so I don't know how that evolved or whatever, but I know that that's the case. And his character, from what I've read, is very much can fit that. Like, he's very goofy and funny and sarcastic. I'd love Simon Wynn. I, I will love Wonder Man. I think he's a great character. I love him in my Avengers stories. 
Which it's like he's mostly known as an Avenger, so it's kind of weird that he was cast in a Guardians movie. I think that's interesting, but I would love to see Wonder him as Wonder Man. Um, I, I've thought about that before, and then Nova's a great choice. Ah, now some other names. Just I just love the Wonder Man idea so much, and Nova so much. Like that's a great. He could, he would one hundred percent. He could one hundred percent carry a Nova. Movie. Yeah. He would be a great Nova. Uh, outside of Nova, I'm I'm not real sure who I would most likely you know like to see him play. I was excited when he was cast in um, in Guardians Two. I thought that was a great idea, mm-hmm. where you could have him cast as someone who's just you, he's around. We know he's there. He didn't have to show up for much in Guardians Two, mm-hmm. just to kind of let us know that yeah, he's here. He's part of the universe. He is this character, even if it took a while to get back around to doing anything with him. Marisha, do you right. have any thoughts? I mean, I'm just not very well versed in uh, comic book characters. I just mostly want to see Nathan Fillion in a Marvel movie. <laughs> I don't really care as who or doing what. I just would like to see him there. I think he would be a, you know, especially as they've kind of leaned into the the comedy elements um, in Marvel. I think he'd be a really good fit. Same. Yeah. Now, if you wanted yeah, to do I an would... alternate universe, Nick Fury, I think he'd be great for that. That's true. Oh, he would be awesome. My choice is still Bruce Campbell for that. Yeah, but, yeah. But if we're having a Spider Verse of Nick Fury, oddly enough, I kind of lump Bruce Campbell and Nathan Fillion together quite a bit for some types ro- totally some, some type roles. Yeah, that's one hundred. Nathan, fair. I think that overall, Nathan Fillion is the better actor of the two. But Bruce Campbell has definitely shown that he can legit act. I mean, he definitely pulled out some pretty impressive, you know, uh, in Burn Notice. Every once in a while, it was like, oh, wow, he he came to act today, you know? Yeah, that's that's true. But, you know, um, it's not MCU's as DC, but for for years, people were saying they would love to see Nathan Fillion as Green Lantern. I think he's probably too old now. But too bad they missed that boat because he would have been an excellent Hal Jordan. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I also, I'm just, I'm just thinking of the problem with now that I'm coming to is that there's so many characters already in the MCU that it's kind of difficult to for me to think about like. I, I keep thinking like, oh, he'd be a great character. Oh, that's already cast. <laughs> right. I think he'd be a very different but fun Reed Richards. Yeah. I could see him doing that potentially. Um, or even a, um, even a, if he was a bit younger, I'd go Human Torch. Um, right. Uh, a different side. He'd be a very different Cyclops. I oh think yeah. That'd be interesting. Um, there's a couple of different X Men he could play, but nobody that's like would have a significant enough role for me to put him in that because I want to see him really um, be there, uh, like be a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um. He would have been a great Hank Pym if they didn't go the route they did with, like, uh, Michael Douglas, old Hank Pym. If they were just going to do, like, mm-hmm. I think he would have been a great, like, Hank Pym as, like, a young man, like, in the Avengers. He, w- he would have been a freaking great Scott Lang, also. 
Yeah. Um, oh man, he would have been awesome in so many. He would have been. I mean, obviously, if freaking Guardians of the Galaxy was made fifteen years ago, he right. would have been Star Lord. Yeah. Um, there's so many. It's so hard because there's so many characters already cast. I'm thinking of villains. Um, I don't. I can't. I can't think of any MCU villains I'd want to see him as because I, I want to see him as a good guy. <laughs> right. Of, you know? He he's a guy yeah. that you don't really necessarily think about Nathan Fillion and think about him in mm-hmm. a villain role. Right. And it's not that I don't think he could play it. It's just it's not what we want to see Nathan. It's not the role you want to see Nathan Fillion in. Well, because, he could always kind of do the Jude Law number um, in uh, Captain Marvel. Where, you know, you like, they kind of sort of, like, especially in the the trailer and everything, it's like, oh, you know, he's Mm going to be, a lot of people thought that he was going to be Marvell. You know, so he, you know, everybody's like, oh, you know, he's going to be the, you know, and then, no, no, not so much. He's actually terrible. Right. I would love to see, I would, well, they already ruined the character of Marvell, one of my favorite Marvel characters ever, so I guess this can't happen. Um, but I would have loved Nathan Fillion as a Marvel more than I would have loved Jude Law as Marvel. Honestly, man, thinking of villains, I just can't see him as like maybe a funny Spider-Man villain, you know? Yeah. Um, maybe I could see him as like an interesting Doctor Octopus. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. But really, I just want to see him as a hero, and my pick has got to be Wonder Man. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to stick by Nova because that's the role I've been, you know, among the people screaming for a long time for Nathan Fillion to play Nova. I just think that it's a character that's almost ready-made for him. Definitely. Um, 100%. It's just, you know, it's one of those things where, you know... You know, what characters would they be willing to cast someone his age for? Is I mean, kind of the real question. They cast, um, oh, what's his name? Is Vision when he was almost 50, didn't they? Paul Bettany. Yeah, Paul Bettany. Yeah, that's true. So, what about what, what about Fillion as a Norman Osborne? Ooh. That could be interesting. He would really have to pull out some, like, that'd be great because he could do, like, the charming business. I mean, especially if the goal. Peter in. Especially if the goal is not to do Green Goblin. Uh huh. Like, there's still a question whether they're going to do Green Goblin or not. So I do have trouble seeing him necessarily as the Goblin. Um, I could see him slowly becoming the Goblin, is the thing. Like, they would have to start it out truly as. He isn't insane yet, you know, and but he's like a charming businessman. Lures Peter in. Peter likes him. They they have a good relationship, and then he goes crazy and becomes the Green Goblin. I could see that slow like uh, downfall into madness. That I think would actually be really awesome. I think if they do Green Goblin again, they of necessity would have to go a really different direction than um, William uh, Willem Dafoe because he was just so perfect. So you'd have to do something really different, I think. 
which is which is fine. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, I think there would be a, a risk, you know, of trying to do something too similar. So yeah, I think he'd actually be an interesting choice for Green Goblin just because he would be so different. Or he's Canadian, isn't he? He could be Captain Canada. Wouldn't that be hilarious? Ooh, that'd be aw- that'd be great. You know what? That reminds me. You know who we need to see in the MCU? And this is a character I do not give a single crap about, but I want to see Captain Britain in the MCU. And you know why? Because I want Ewan McGregor to play him. Oh my gosh, that would be that would be so great. Because like, is you, isn't you is Ewan McGregor like? Isn't he actually like? Is he Scottish or Irish? Scottish. Or he Scottish. He's Scottish. He's got, I thought so. Close enough. Which he, still he, makes he is him, British. I mean, that still makes him British. He's right, just know, not right. English. But, you know. But he, he does not, have not a, a, a pretty um, pretty good English accent he manages to pull out. Right. Right. I want to see that so badly. Yeah, that what would be great. What are some other actors that we need to see in the MCU? I'm sure we've had this conversation before like about Keanu Reeves and stuff like that. But there are other ones like, like Ewan McGregor. Um, actors we need to see in the MCU. Uh, John Krasinski, man. The Fantastic Four, you're right. You're very right. We had the Fantastic Four coming in. Uh, we have the X-Men coming in. Who do you want to see play Wolverine, Professor X, Magneto? Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot. I, I'm really... Um, I'm really not sure. Specifically with Xavier, I really don't know who the best person to step into that role is. Um, I agree with Marisha. Krasinski is one that's, that you know, needs to show up in the MCU. Um, I think he's uh, shown that he can do the, the serious action roles. Mm-hmm. I'm blanking on a name here. There was a name being tossed around for ah, Giancarlo Esposito. Mm-hmm. The more I think about it, the more I do think that he could be a very compelling Magneto. Yeah. Magneto, Carlo. Now, remind me. Uh, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, he, he was Moff Gideon in season one oh, of okay, The Mandalorian. Okay. Breaking, he's from Breaking Bad, right? Yeah. Right. He's, he, he plays the... Yeah, yeah. I mean, he uh, pretty much really just... Magneto. Yeah, he mostly plays villains, but... Right, um, I think he'd actually be a great Professor X because Magneto, Magneto is Jewish. Right, we actually had a discussion yeah, about. Yeah, we this. actually had a long discussion about that. If we're setting it, especially, I mean, the MCU actually was running concurrent to our timeline, but has actually jumped ahead five years well, ahead yeah, of we us. Did have this conversation, and that right makes it really, really hard to do the Holocaust thing. Right. Yeah, like the timelines, yeah, it doesn't like it, it, you know the timeline for a Holocaust survivor would make him incredibly old now. You know what they could do? They could do that. Like his grandmother was a Holocaust survivor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they can you know, still. Now that, now that I think about there it, are still options. Like um, there, there are still plenty of options to still do that character without changing it. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know what the right answer is there, but um, as far as other actors that really need to show up in Marvel? Daniel Radcliffe. 
Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> um, so many different things. Daniel Radcliffe is one that I, I is just kind of a weird one, and and I'm I'm sure somebody's going to come at me for this. But as far as stuff he's done as an adult, I don't get him as an actor. He's done a bunch of weird stuff since he's been an adult. Fair enough, man. Now, as far as people, uh, you know, Elijah Wood. Ooh, yeah. I mean, he would be a great one. I'm still all on board. I don't know what the right role for him would be, but but Simon Pegg. You know, we brought in Martin Freeman. Surely we can do Simon Pegg as well. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, Simon Pegg. And Peg can kind of play a badass too. I mean, you know, he's done the Mission Impossible movies for a while now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Nick man, Frost is one. I, I don't know about the MCU because I don't know what the best role for him in the MCU would be. Although he'd make a really interesting the thing would be Nick Frost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be great. But he might be a little too weird. But mm-hmm. I want to see Nick Frost in Star Wars. Absolutely, especially after Into the Badlands, man. He was like, who knew Nick Frost could actually act? But he sure enough pulled it out. Yeah, I agree. Um, I definitely agree. All right, Um, so I would say that actually for next week, instead of just continuing to pull names out of a hat, (laughs) let's actually come back with our five actors that we would like to see in the MCU and five actors we'd like to see in Star Wars. Huh. Sounds like a plan. Oh, that's a great idea. Okay, yeah. Because we did kind of come in as unprepared. That's a great idea. I'd love to do that. Um, And bonus points if you can uh, come up with a character that they could actually play. Yeah. Absolutely. Perfect. So unless anybody's got anything to add, I think that is going to conclude episode 50 of the Science Fictionary podcast. That's awesome. Insert confetti here. (laughs) <laughs> all right marisha where... i love the fan question thing yeah. yes yeah yes. we'll definitely do that some more marisha where can people find you online you can find me on my website uh princesses i am on instagram at princesses underscore and underscore padawans and at p padawans on twitter all right david all right, you guys can find me at David underscore JG Peoples on Twitter. All right, and I'm Andrew Gore. You can find me running the Twitter account for this show at Sci underscore Fictionary. You can find us at the sciencefictionary.com. You can check out our other podcast, Coruscant Radio Underground, where we talk about everything in that galaxy far, far away. And you can check out our podcast, as well as the rest of the Red 5 podcast family at red5network.com or at red5network on Twitter. And until next time, may the force be with you.